So welcome, everyone. It's so nice to have you join us today. Uh, this is Susanna Greer. I'm the Director of Clinical Cancer Research at the American Cancer Society. Um, and I am joined today by one of my colleagues, Joe Cotter, who helps to make sure we connect our grantees with each other and with all our ACS stakeholders. And we are so excited to welcome today, now help me if I don't pronounce your name absolutely correctly, Shen Yi Li Lin? Is that Yi. correct? Yep. Yi. Okay. Yep. So we're joined by Yi, who's one of our postdoctoral fellows, and Yi is at Rowan University School of Osteopathic Medicine. So um, she's been there since about 2013 and um, has a fantastic postdoctoral fellowship that she's wrapping up with uh, Ronald Ellis. And so um, we're going to... Yep, and, and, and Ron Ellis was a former, um, also an ACS uh, That's right. recipient. That's yep. right. So a long <laughs> period of support for uh, the Ellis Lab. So we've been so excited with what you've been doing um, with your productivity and uh, just want to have an opportunity to share that with our ACS colleagues. So I guess to Shinyi Lee, sorry, Shinyi, just to get things off the bat, um, I'd like to just kind of get everybody on the same page with what it is you're excited about in your research. Could you share us your maybe one to two minute elevator pitch um, describing your research? And remember, we're, uh, we are scientists from all different backgrounds and all different levels of expertise. So, um, so be gentle with us. Yes, yes. Well, um, you know, I, I'm doing some of the foundational basic research um, in cancer biology. So what we're doing is we're using um, an animal uh, model called, of nematodes. Um, okay to study how um, specifically one type of protein, glee proteins, which are really important in cancer. But to kind of give you the overall picture is um, most of the research that's been done in the nematode model has been done with one organism called C. elegans. And what we're trying to do um, is set up other related species as other models. So okay. I've been working in C. brixii, but there are a bunch of other um, species. And the reason why we think this is important is that we don't want to be by accident myopic in our understanding of key proteins and their regulators by only studying a small subset of model sure. organisms. Like the, 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 the classic model organisms absolutely have a role, but we are now in a place in biology where we can expand that and start working with with a lot more species. And then we think that that diversity will um, identify new regulators and help us understand new aspects of function because we're basically allowing nature to tell us what has evolution done to regulate that gene? What, what are the new functions that that gene can have in a in new context? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, it is something that I, I, at least I see is parallel to some of the work that's working happening on the patient side of things where a lot of the research in medicine has been focused on um, patient populations that maybe were not representative mm -hmm. of the true patient population that are affected by cancer, right? And so we're starting to realize, look, we need to have more um, you know, we need more diversity of, of subjects where we understand, like, okay, how do women react or how right. do women of color react? And instead of just saying, oh, well, we did all these, this research in 
you know, this patient population that we studied in the 1970s or 1980s or 1990s, and we're just going to extend out to now and assume that all humans are the same, we're now realizing, no, we need to have a little bit more nuance. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do on the basic biology side. Like, let's use the foundation of what we knew in these key model organisms, but expand that out um, to new organisms and see what biology tells us is possible. And the goal in the end is not only to learn more um, about what is going on in these other organisms, but really uh, hopefully identify completely novel regulators that wouldn't have been identified if we'd only studied a, you know, um, a few species. And those, those regulators may end up being drug targets that you know, we wouldn't be aware of otherwise. It's really nice that you're taking such an expansive view, and um, I'm sure the nematode and other species in that community are grateful that you are representing them and pulling it's out definitely those hard, population. It's definitely hard work. It's definitely right? hard work to diversify. It's not an easy right. copy-paste into another organism, but it's really important work. The diversity work, I think, on many angles is yeah, on, on many, many, is something that, that, that we need. And all that's such a great way, yeah, for us to share it with um, <laughs> with patients and uh, survivors um, to help them understand why looking at these other model systems is so critical for us to eventually yeah. have those uh, new drugs and, and and new therapeutic developments. So that's great. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are, kind of career development-wise, where you are in your postdoc? And the the thing that I'd like to know, I'd like for our listeners to understand where you are and thinking about your next steps, but also um, with that knowledge, once we have that knowledge, could you maybe tell us about, because um, you're towards the end of your postdoc, has there been a surprise or something interesting about your training experience that was unexpected? Gotcha. So, um, you know, the career trajectory is that um, I am wrapping up my um, postdoc. My fellowship ends next January in 2019. And so um, I'm not totally done with all the research, but I'm hoping to get most of the way um, there so that I can start wrapping it up into a, a publication and things like that. And then I'm currently in the process of seeing what I want to do next. And so um, um, I am looking to apply um, on the academic job market, but at the same time, I'm also looking into other um, options as well. Um, I will say that um, recently I've, well, I shouldn't even say recently, throughout my graduate career actually, and even now, I've been mm-hmm. thinking a little bit about reaching out into the public service sector or into public policy. Um, and that's just something that I've always been interested in because I always think of the connection between science and the community that we serve, which is the people <laughs> and the taxpayers. Um, sure. And um, and so I've been looking into potentially doing something like that, but I'm not I'm not certain. I feel like um, related to your question of sort of what has been the biggest surprise. I think um, this stage in um, a someone's professional life is challenging because it turns out that um, life gets in the way of work. And basically, you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s and during my postdoc, I had two children. Um, that is, a, you know, 
you know, in graduate school, when you're younger, you are able to sort of have a pure, single-minded focus on what you're doing. And you develop a certain set of techniques or strategies that you use right. to be successful at that stage. But a lot of people, understandably, they start living a broader sense of their life, whether that be they choose to um, get married or they have a family or alternatively, um, uh, as was also the case for me, elder care issues with my parents started coming up or, um, you know, um, specifically connected to the American Cancer Society, you start seeing people around you affected by chronic diseases or, you know, yeah, life happens. Uh, life-threatening, life-threatening diseases like cancer, and that means that you have to create and somehow identify completely different working strategies sure. to be able to be productive. And yeah, so the I strategy think of grad lot... school and maybe a hundred percent focus, um, and and certainly those things can apply to graduate students as well. But I think you're right. As we as we age and move further into life and all its complications, um, uh, perhaps exactly. we, we have to change it, our, our our work plan. Exactly. And I think, you know, oftentimes people use the shorthand work-life balance as like, you know, how do, how do we get that? I, I think, unfortunately, I think that, that word kind of undersells the amount of work that's required. Yeah, and I think true. that's what's been surprising is that I think um, you have to almost reinvent yourself in this period, especially, I would say, if you choose to have a family, and especially if you're a woman in science, mm -hmm. I think just period, the, the navigating this period in your life and in your career is, is challenging. And, um, and at the same time, it gives your work more purpose, you know. Right. And so I think it, it's, it, I don't want to put it all as a negative because I don't think it is. I just mean that it's more a, a comprehensive um you know, when we talk about professional development, it's a comprehensive kind of thing. It's not just how do I network at conferences or how do I give a good talk or how do I write grants? It becomes something more subtle and, <laughs> and overwhelming, which is sort of like how do you really manage your time? How do you prioritize the things in your life and not just in, you know, the domains of what do I need to get work done at work? Yeah. So, what you maybe need from mentors in your institution and, and your funding agency also changes. So I'd be interested to know if you could share with us, um, was there a particular person or event that was positive and helpful or even eye-opening that you could share with younger postdocs who were maybe at the beginning of this journey and things that you might have? Um, so if there was a way that you were mentored or helped that you found helpful or something you wish had happened to you um, that folks could seek out. I think that might be a helpful thing to share. So, you know, I, so I just came back um, in September from the ACS fellows meeting and I, I found that just really um, fantastic. Um, I, 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 I really liked meeting the other fellows. Um, I, I wish, you know, I, I wish there had been an opportunity for the fellows to meet a little bit earlier in their career or in their, in their fellowship. It's a, it's a little bit of a trade-off, right? Scientifically, I think it's better to have it at the end of your fellowship because that's when you have accrued the most data, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think professionally, 
it is more helpful to check in, I would say about a year into your fellowship. And I think now with the theory lab, hopefully I would encourage people to utilize that. You know, I think probably right when you get the fellowship, you just want to like jump into the lab and, or into whatever project if you've already been in the lab and you want to just focus on that, setting up the groundwork. And that's totally fine. But I would say about a year in, I, I think, um, it would have helped me to have sort of a big picture pullback and yeah, like talk a primer to other on, fellows. This is the reality. Yeah, but, or just talk to fellows because I think, sure. you know, the reality is that inertia is real in research. You don't want to just be stuck on this is what I proposed, and so I'm just only going to work on the research that I propose. You may want a reshifting, or alternatively, maybe you need a a more, um, you need to find in more mentors or you need some kind of professional development or you're starting to think about different career options. Um, it's better to do that a year into your fellowship with two years left than to do right. it at year two and a half. When you have like That's half a great a year point. Left. And I, I, I agree you know? with you. I hope so, that use Theory Lab to kind of grow those groups um, who can, I mean, you know, knowledge is really so wonderful when it can be passed down and we learn so well from each other. So um, I'm hopeful we can continue to grow this medium as a way to provide you guys opportunities to talk to each other, learn from each other, ask those questions. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I think also that the reason why it's important to kind of almost set a timer to make sure you reach out at year one is it's easier to do it at year one when you are not feeling as much pressure. I think by year three, you feel like, oh, my God, I don't want to talk to anyone unless I've gotten that paper out in review and I've already shown that I'm a rock star. Then I'm ready to go talk to people. Um, unfortunately, that you, like life very rarely happens. We know science is as much about hard work as it is about luck. And so that's why like forcing yourself to go out there at that one-year mark. And, and one thing I wish I hadn't done, um, you know, when – uh, that I was thinking would have been great is we, uh, postdocs get this um, stipend money to use on a conference. And yeah. I think I ended up using it um, on totally awesome conferences that were with, that I wanted to go to, but they were all in my field. And uh, I think what would have been great is to pick something that is rather tangential to my field and go at that one year mark. Like, before you've really settled into your project, um, to be able to, like, early on seed yourself with ideas from something that might be of interest. Like, say you, you, you don't do bioinformatics or something. Go to something that's, like, bioinformatics but, like, vaguely related to your work. Or, you know, maybe go to a super big cancer conference. Um, you know, maybe, you know, because my, I tend to like smaller conferences, but maybe it would be useful if I had early on in my career or in, in the fellowship gone to something a little bit totally out of my box. That's a great idea. I love that to really, I mean, it's a way to put your toe in the water, but with minimal risk, right? Because the ACS is sponsoring it. Our only expectation is that you grow and develop. Um, exactly. And, so I, I think that, and it's and, one year and, in, and it's yeah. one year in. You can take any contacts and any information and use it to um, support your work versus I think sometimes when you go to conferences at the end, all you do is see the things you wish you had done. 
<laughs> you right. go, oh, Ugh, that was a great, really great work. Yeah. I wish I had done that. And, and instead, let's sit around and do a little bit um, um, early on. So I think, um, and, I, and I think, you know, um, one thing that I think everyone knows as a truism in the scientific field is that it is impossible for there to be a one-stop mentor. Um, you can try your best to, you know, um, get into the perfect lab and have the, the most intellectual scholar as your PI and, have, and, and um, do as I did. I talked to every person who that person mentored and made sure that they were um, engaged mentors. And that's true. But it is impossible for one person to be the perfect sure. um, mentor for you. So I think, you know, part of exposing yourself to different um, people and to different ideas very early on is to develop, figure out what kind of scaffolding you need. And I would, I would argue that um, because so much of science is honestly uh, still remains quite male <laughs> and honestly quite, quite white, um, I think a lot of no offense, the, new, the, new, <laughs> the new generation of scientists and related to that diversity thing yeah, that I was absolutely. talking about before, we need more ideas, more people um, to support that um, new um, the future of scientists. Those, for unfortunately, those people will have to figure out. We, we. I mean, I shouldn't say those because I'm one of those people. Um, we have to figure out ways of getting the mentoring we need. Um, and that's difficult because the people who were trained before us are not well equipped to support what we need. Yeah, no, I think um, it's a great in terms point. of really so understanding that work-life balance, really understanding um, what it means for someone to come into science maybe without the background of oh, I came, you know, from a background of my parents were both college graduates. That's not necessarily going to be the case. No, I think that we'll, we will. Um, it, it's a challenge that we face to make sure we are um, mentoring in the way people need to be mentored and recognizing the growing diversity of the field. You mentioned a couple of things I think are really interesting. One is that you're you're towards the end of your postdoc. Um, you you have seen. It sounds like you've been mentored in a pretty well-rounded way. You probably had to go to lots of different places to get the ask the questions and get the help that you needed and the advice, but there's still some inflection points where as you continue to grow and develop, um, you could use, you know, advice and help. And so I'm wondering, the I hope you have always felt part of the ACS community. That is certainly our goal. Um, but it is true that when you finish your postdoc or whatever your your granting period is with the American Cancer Society, uh, we want to remain in touch and we also want to remain relevant and useful um, for the rest of your lives. You know, it's kind of once, once in the ACS family, always in the ACS family. But we want to be helpful. So I'm wondering if there is a way that you think um, the American Cancer Society could help in this transition period or help with some of these deficiencies in mentoring. Uh, I'd love for you to speak to that. Um, you know, I think I want to mention one thing that has already helped and I think helps every ACS fellow who um, steps up to do a little bit more during their fellowship, which is okay. that I pretty early on started um, volunteering to do some outreach um, 
um, events. Uh, I, I don't know whether outreach is the right word, but, you know, yeah, I went fantastic. to like a Relay for Life yeah. or I went to, um, um, uh, you know, an ACS CAN, you know, meeting and things like that. All right, and, well, that's music to my ears. So how did that yeah, help you? So, I'm interested to hear. So I, think, I, I think it helped. So, you know, I've always been, um, as I said, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about the interaction. I've always been thinking about the interaction between science, science and serving the communities that we live in. And so even early on as a scientist, I've always felt um, a humility of, like, we get to do this fascinating work that has such important impact in the world um, because of the generosity of taxpayers. So I've always been aware of that. But I think becoming an ACS fellow, um, I – I've, I've been able to expand that even more insofar as meeting um, the people directly affected by cancer through, like, the cancer survivors and the volunteers mm-hmm. has, you know, for just it's been so um, motivating. Um, it's, it's so filled me with humility. It um, inspires me. Um, I wish that all people <laughs> doing research had an opportunity to kind of talk directly with the people who their research may in the end impact because I think um, making that human connection is absolutely necessary to bridge that sort of – because oftentimes in the lab you're just sort of thinking about your extremely limited um, – intellectual bit which is really important but sometimes you miss that sort of that um, human public service angle that I think everyone would really benefit from and and I will say specifically I I was a postdoc that came off TAIS status which -hmm. basically meant that um, in New Jersey um, the the local chapter was trying to find someone to fund me and in the end they were able to find a local donor and so a very like within six months of my fellowship, um, there was an event that the local chapter organized, and I got to meet the donor that nice. funded my fellowship. And even as I'm talking about it right now, it makes me emotional. <laughs> so I think, you know, having that kind of experience, I think, is very unique with right. ACS fellows. So I think that, number one, is really something that the ACS has already done on. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm so glad that you've been yeah. – motivated to participate and had positive experiences. And I will say from the flip side, just as emotional and motivational and just kind of making it real to you is also the patient and a caregiver and the survivor experience when they have the opportunity to talk to scientists. So it really does come full circle that everyone just feels this amazing connection that, you know what, we're all in this together and it's for a really, really important reason. And I think everyone can walk away to whatever your battle is, whether it's cancer, taking care of a cancer patient, um, you know, really suffering with a cancer loss, or going back to the lab or the clinic um, to move cancer research along, to touch cancer patients, um, we can all go back to whatever life has handed us in the cancer story and be more motivated. So I 100% agree with you. I think it's a fantastic <laughs> experience, and I'm so glad you've done that. All right, so what else could we do? What could we do a little better? <laughs> I, I think there's a second thing that I, um, and I can't, I, I can't help but plug because I actually think it's a really important um, piece in the way that the ACS thinks about. I know that they're thinking. Um, I, I know that the ACS is always 
focused on supporting early stage or mid-stage scientists. And I think one really important piece of that is um, kind of being explicit about how to support people raising families um, while being in science. Um, I know this is a little bit, <laughs> but you know, I, um, I, I think it would be great if the ACS in its um, thinking about how to set up the policies around the, the, the fellowship, if they thought about putting in explicitly like an ACS, this is what we think maternity or paternity leave should be. A, a family leave policy that is on top, on, um, that may, may be able to replace what's happening in the institutional level, because I think a lot of the institutions are just not supporting parents, and you're just losing a lot of people yeah. who have been trained for decades and they just can't get the work-life balance to work. And um, a lot of, um, and, and to some degree, we need that to come from the, the, the funding agency. And the ACS has a lot of power, right, in the way that the stipend gives you extra money to go to do the scientific half, like go to conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if, if the stipend could explicit be, explicitly be used for childcare, you know, or if, you know, something for family leave, I think there will, you will see the benefit because the more you support the life of a postdoc, it allows them to focus on the work because this is an extremely challenging period in um, a postdoc's sort of professional life as we're trying to manage those transitions. And no, then... Beautifully that, said. That's like I, a, you, that's you'll be glad to know that the ACS is... We're doing that. Um, we are, we are yeah. having those conversations. And so um, that's those right. are... Um, because we want to make sure the best scientists and the best science happens. And we realize that life, life is challenging and throws hurdles. And so we want to make sure those hurdles don't um, negatively impact um, progression in cancer research. And so um, exactly. we're here for you. All right. You said you had another exactly. one. Exactly. So then, so then I think the third part is, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I wish Theory Lab had started when I started my fellowship <laughs> instead at the very end. Um, I, I, you know, I think that building connections with um, other ACS fellows is just really beneficial. Everyone um, is kind of in this precarious, uncertain period in their right. life. I mean, maybe there's a small percentage of postdocs who know exactly what they're doing and they're just checking all the boxes and knocking it out of the park. I, but I, there probably are other people who, who are just sort of trying to figure out their way right now. And um, I think if, if we can do some more um, networking events, I know that the in-person ones are, are, are costly, but maybe um, some virtual ones where you do, you know, like a virtual meet and greet on Theory Lab or, or on some other platform, whichever platform that you need, just so that people can, can, can uh, have a space where they can be honest about the things that they're um they're considering so um so you know idea. just 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 as an example from my Thank alma you. mater for my undergrad is um i just participated in a virtual networking event that was done where it was like all women in science and or no women at women at amherst college and mm -hmm. so um you logged in and you could just say i'm in a transition between figuring out what to do, I was in academia and moving on. And so some of the people that I was connected to, um, you know, um, it, they were just nice to me, but they weren't particularly useful. But I met someone who is almost in exactly the same stage as I am. She's finishing up her postdoc. Um, um, she, she was like me where um, 
I really wanted to focus on research while I'm on the fellowship um, because I felt like that is what I I, I got the fellowship for. <laughs> but um, to be in academia, I also wanted to make sure I had the teaching aspect sure. in there. And so I am um, doing a one semester long teaching in the spring. And okay. I was able to connect to someone who um, who just finished teaching. And so just by like a random event, I I now have, you know, like syllabuses and things like that. And that will be like equally important in me, in me being able to get an academic job because there are so many academic jobs that require the teaching aspect, you know, which is not like directly um, necessarily in the, in the, um, what is it, the purview of the, of the fellowship, but is absolutely important for the success of the grantee. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's um, a great recommendation for Theory yeah. Lab. And you'll, I, I hope you already know, but your your Theory Lab membership doesn't end when you're post Exactly. No, no, no. always welcome here. And as you continue to develop in your career, you'll be able to form different groups and meet different colleagues who can give you that feedback. I think our time is almost up. You've been so wonderful. But is there anything else you would like to share with us? Um, because we've just been thrilled to have you here. I mean, I, I think I'll just repeat something um, that I, uh, you know, that I said before, which is that um, inertia is real, and so <laughs> I, I recommend other postdoc grantees to do what you can to fight it. I mean, it's, we have a lot to juggle right now, especially if we have elder care or health issues or, or taking care of our kids all happening at the same time that we're trying to do like trans transformational research. <laughs> you know, it's a lot on our plate. Um, and so um, having, um, making sure that we're checking in with others, um, pushing ourselves out of our, our comfort zone in ways that we can really benefit from, I think. Um, and, and meeting, you know, new people that will inspire us, whether that be people at conferences that will inspire the intellectual work or people at outreach events that will inspire the sort of the human part of, of the work that reminds you, you know, of the expectations of the people out there for, for, for us staying focused and, um, and, and getting what we need, um, you know, um, yeah, I guess I, I I think that's the main thing is just um, do your best to to fight the inertia, get the support that you need, um, and um, and also realize that we are all in this together. <laughs> that Absolutely. The, postdoc, Absolutely. the other postdoc fellows are definitely um, um, also uh, needing as much mentoring as you do from each other. So. So reach out um, to everyone, and um, and and I, I and you'll be surprised at how many people are willing to to reach back over. And you know, I don't know, just good luck in trying to figure out what your new strategy is as you as you uh, build what you know what professional work life balance looks for you moving forward. It's well, it's a huge task for for every it any is. person. It is, but you guys are doing amazing. And Chenyi, we so yeah. appreciate you sharing some time with us, your thoughts, and um, Great. just excited to see what's next around the bend for you. We'll be watching, so uh, stay in awesome. touch with us. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.